Hi, thanks for coming back for our fourth installment of Your New Mexico Government. I'm Kaveh Movahead. We are now halfway through the legislature's 30-day session, and it feels like it's going too fast. As we've discussed before, in even years, lawmakers meet for only 30 days to discuss budget issues and a handful of other specific topics the governor has authorized to add to the agenda. If proposed legislation doesn't fall within those guidelines, and that's judged by the House Rules and Order of Business Committee and the Senate Committees Committee, the legislation is pretty much dead on arrival. Only the governor can bring it back. We'll have more details on that process in today's interview. This time, we're talking with reporter Sean Griswold from Source New Mexico. Source NM has had journalists at the Roundhouse throughout the session watching crime, energy, pandemic relief, and more. Griswold has covered different areas too, but focused a lot on education. We'll get caught up on the Ed Bills in front of the legislature and some of the other stories coming from Source New Mexico. You can get caught up with us by following YNMG online at KUNM.org and by clicking Your New Mexico Government in the News tab. Also, follow the hashtag YNMG and keep an eye on KUNM and our media partner for the project New Mexico PBS on the air and on your favorite social media site. As we do in every episode, we'd like to thank the Thornburg Foundation for funding YNMG with the goal of creating a more open government that's understandable and accessible for all New Mexicans. Now, here's my talk with Sean Griswold from the evening of Monday, January 31st. A quick audio note, since we're in the roundhouse, we are observing the legislature's masking requirements. That means you might hear some deep labored breaths and muffled voices through our N95 masks. Have a listen. We are sitting in the media gallery in the Senate chamber in the roundhouse. Yes, and there's nothing going on down there. I think we're the only people in the Senate chamber right now. There's a couple committee hearings happening. They broke today about an hour and a half ago. And as of right now, they're just all meeting in committee for the ones who are in committee. So pretty quiet out here tonight. We're right about two weeks in with about two weeks to go. I want to ask about some of the issues and the bills that you've been following. First, there was a bill on affirmative consent, House Bill 44. What is affirmative consent? Essentially, it's a concept teaching consent in sexual education, asking people, is it okay for me to kiss you? Is it okay for me to hug you? Is it okay for me to hold your hand? Options that are teachings that they're a coalition of sexual assault survivor programs already are offering to teach in schools. And this bill would essentially extend this opportunity for schools to be able to bring in these coalitions or these groups or nonprofits to teach this in conjunction with other sexual health education in schools. And it's an effort to try and stop sexual assault and harassment of, of students on campuses across New Mexico. Okay, now you covered that pretty early in the session, and it's pretty much dead for now, but it could be revived by Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham. I'm just going to take a moment to explain that bills in this 30-day session have to be judged germane in order to be assigned to committees for hearings. This rule's meant to keep the legislature on track in even years when they only meet for 30 days and budget is their primary concern. There are other issues on the docket, though. The governor has the authority to add topics to the legislative agenda, and she does it in kind of a neat way. She sends over a little note called a governor's legislative message to the legislature saying something like, I authorize you to consider House Bill 44 or House Bill 56, a bill that authorizes the issuance of 
a six-month permit to practice veterinary medicine or whatever it is the topic is. Once that message is sent, the legislature can hear the bill, even if it's not a budget issue. Okay, Sean, let's get back to your reporting, though. Can you tell us a little bit about SB1, Senate Bill 1? It was a bill to raise teacher salaries for educators across the state. Uh, Yes, this is one of the major initiatives the governor wants to get done. She mentioned it in her state of the state that teachers should get a pay raise. She mentioned a 7% pay raise across the board, and that's something that's going to be coming into a budget for the public education department. So SB1 is another avenue for teachers to get pay raises. There's three licensing tiers or three levels for licensed teachers. There's level one, which is, you know, the most newest teachers straight out of college. You get five years experience. You can apply for level two. After you get up to nine years experience and get some accreditations, you can apply up to the highest, which is level three. And so what this bill does is it increases minimum license levels by $10,000 each. So for instance, the level one teachers are at $40,000. They would then get $50,000. Level two is at 50, they would have $60,000. And level three teachers would be able to get $70,000 at a minimum. On top of that 7% pay raise, you could see New Mexico teachers becoming some of the highest in the Mountain West region when compared to states like Colorado, Texas, and Arizona. Wow, it seems like there is broad support for this. Have you heard any reasons not to get this bill to the governor? No, honestly, this bill is essentially already moving through committees. The Senate has one more committee it needs to go through. Then it'll reach the Senate floor. And of course, because this is a priority for the governor and you know the governor being a Democrat, Democrats control both the Senate and the House. They're looking to boost this for teachers as well who are going through significant number of issues right now. This is a great way to support educators in New Mexico and it seemingly has got support from everybody across the board here in, in the Roundhouse. Okay, and that's the Senate Finance Committee that we're waiting on. I'm, I'm expecting it possibly by the end of the week because, we, as, as you know, we are halfway through. And so it has to make it through that committee, then onto the Senate floor. And then from the Senate floor, it would also have to go to the House. And the House side would have to hit, hit a committee as well. And then the House floor as well. So there's still several steps in the process. And with only 14 days left, time's of the essence. So it has to move. You've been putting a lot of time and energy into education issues. Your most recent article, it's just being published with Source New Mexico, is on some legislation related to equity in education and the Yazi Martinez lawsuit. First, can you catch up any listeners who aren't familiar with Yazi Martinez? Yeah, so Yazi Martinez is a lawsuit. started with the parent and then it brought in a lot of other people. Essentially, they sued the state of New Mexico, arguing that the state of New Mexico was not meeting up to its constitutional uh, standard by providing an adequate education for uh, public school students who are Native American, low-income, English learners, and students with disabilities. And it's across the state, across the board. The ruling came in 2018, and New Mexico is mandated. When I say New Mexico, I mean the government of New Mexico, the public education department, the people who make the budget is mandated to follow with the guidelines of what Yazi Martinez court mandate is. And some of the biggest elements of that mandate equals creating culturally relevant curriculum, which is, you know, if you're looking at a, at a Native American community, you're talking about social studies lesson plans that fit directly to that, that community. If you're talking about language programs where you're teaching traditional Native languages, you're teaching Diné, you're teaching Karis to, to these communities. And then on top of that, you also have to start building a pool of qualified educators who are going to stay in these communities 
And so there's almost this two-tiered process where it's like not only does the state have to provide funding and support for the public education department in K through 12, it needs to meet the need to provide support for higher education to be able to train teachers and recruit teachers, Native American teachers, as well as administrators, school board members, people who want to be at the, the administrative level who are representative of the communities that they are from. Some of these bills that came in today are three bills that made it through House Education Committee, full support. They're all sponsored by Representative Derek Lente, who is a member of the Sandia Pueblo. So he's well familiar and well versed with the issues that affect indigenous communities in New Mexico and public education. And his three bills address a lot of what Yazzie Martinez is supposed to do. In total, the three bills are seeking a $70 million appropriation. Um, So a substantial amount of money. And what it's doing is it's meeting the needs of what is a lot of indigenous education reform advocates call the tribal remedy framework. And what that is, is that you're essentially creating the public education departments to be run by the tribes themselves, to be directed by the tribal communities, to have curriculum that is developed by tribal educators, uh, members who work for universities. There's already several people and there's three tribal colleges in New Mexico that are currently and already like creating curriculum that have established lesson plans that are establishing this this whole concept that communities that tribal communities can run their own tribal districts. And so what it really is is it's respecting the sovereignty of New Mexico's 22 tribal nations because you can't have a blanket framework. Each of these communities has their own specific needs, their own specific customs. There's multiple languages spoken, some of them with even within the tribe themselves. And within the public education department, there's not a significant number of Native Americans who are represented in making the, the decisions. And so what these bills that, that Lente is providing, one of them is going to require the state to provide 70% of, its, of the money through the Indian Education Fund to go directly to tribal governments. And many tribal governments in New Mexico also have their own tribal board of education. And so you're establishing them as the sole you know, proprietor and benefactor, as well as the, the people who are responsible for addressing where the needs go and, and giving money to the programs that are funded. Another thing is that it also does is it boosts the amount of money that goes to the Indian Education Fund. 2016, the amount of money that the public education department who currently gives out money through the Indian Education Fund was at $600,000. And that's for all 22 tribes. This year, it's at $2.2 million. And what Lente is asking for is $20 million. Another bill would also create annual appropriation of another $20 million. And that goes to just providing essentially, they call it the capacity to build out this infrastructure. I, mean, I call it infrastructure because you're talking, it could be a building, it could be hiring staff, it could be creating a plan that's gonna look at how we're gonna actually get people to come here, how we're gonna purchase and acquire the books that we need to teach the curriculum, how we're going to get our language programs you know, going. Because you know, some tribes have very specific ways about how they share their language. There's a substantial amount of money to go towards tribal libraries. And it's the hub. It's it's the it's the middle. Oftentimes, it's in the middle of a, of a pueblo, and most pueblos often have a smaller community, kind of tightly knit. And then from as it starts at the library, and then it extends to houses, houses from there. And so this bill would provide that money that goes directly to supporting tribal library and the resources that libraries have, because not only are they giving books and you know being a community place, a center for community to, to gather, it's a place that's connecting them to the world when it comes to the internet. And so that's a major one. And then the last bill that he introduced on this addresses that need for higher education support. 
It's a $29 million appropriation. So it's the highest ask that he's looking for. And what it does is it funds money for all four of New Mexico State Universities, and then also three of the tribal colleges. It's gonna create programs that are going to recruit and train teachers with a high mark to try and meet up with Native American instructors to get them working in the communities that they're from. And then also look into designing that curriculum that will support a lot of these tribal entities that are seeking to run their own tribal education systems. Obviously, there is a lot of need on tribal lands for education infrastructure and just money for resources generally. Certainly, there are also plenty of Native kids in public schools in urban areas and in other areas. That doesn't seem like it's the issue with these bills, though, right? Uh, Well, these bills also will allow for public schools in Albuquerque, schools in in Farmington, Gallup, you know, those border towns next to reservations or tribal communities that have a high population of Native American students. There's 31,000 Native American students in New Mexico, and not all of them live in a tribe or live, live in a tribal community or go to a tribal school. So this can help develop the curriculum that can actually meet a Pueblo kid who goes to school in Albuquerque that was designed by Pueblo educators that is taught in his home community, like his tribal home community, and he can match that lesson plan to be taught for him at his school in Albuquerque. And not only for the tribal students, but then now you're teaching indigenous knowledge and indigenous history and cultures and customs to people who are non-indigenous. And that's ultimately just going to make it better for everybody in New Mexico to understand. And so where are those bills now that Derek Lente introduced? They passed the House Education Committee today, filled with educators, filled with the people who administer education in New Mexico. It'll go next to the House Appropriation and Finance Committee, which is, of course, the Budget Committee. And we'll see exactly how much of that $70 million Lente will get from what he's asking for. From there, it'll go to the House, and then we'll see what the Senate does with it from there. You did some reporting outside the realm of education, too. First, there were a few House bills that moved forward about a week ago. They were aimed at pushing New Mexico toward renewable energy, and they're all waiting in the House Taxation and Revenue Committee for their next hearings. Tell us about House Bill 11, House Bill 34, and House Bill 35. Yeah, well, it's appropriate that they are in that uh, tax committee because um, these are all bills that offer tax incentives. They're actually a little bit smaller, but more reasonable and and possibly likely to pass when you consider the other climate change fighting initiatives that are going forward and, and, you know, the big broad initiatives like the hydrogen bill or the opposite bill that's looking at addressing like New Mexico's caps on emissions. House Bill 11, for instance, is offering a tax incentive package for people who have renewable energy storage units, either in their homes or their businesses. Like a battery system? Like a battery system, exactly. So what that does is that it provides renewable energy systems to be able to capture as much renewable energy. And the way it's been described to me is that it would be able to allow for New Mexico to be able to have much of its renewable energy directly off the grid. So let's look at like, like what happened in Texas last year, for instance, when there was a freeze and their entire energy system shut down because of the freeze. Let's say if that were to happen in New Mexico, you have these renewable energy storage systems that could like compensate and offset what the, what the power grid, traditional power grid is available. Now, when I talk about small, the money for this one is a small ask. Renewable energy advocates are being realistic here. They asked for only $2 million. And so that's really only going to help like 200 people. But the idea is is that you grow from that. You establish it at a lower level, hope that this small ask will get passed because it's reasonable, and then you start to see how these incentives are growing. Almost like a pilot plan then. Essentially, I would say that much more. I mean, we're seeing how these big widespread renewable energy efforts are going, like some of them are already dead right now. 
And these ones right now seem to be moving in, have sent, have some pretty substantial support. House Bill 34, along those same lines, is a tax incentive for people who install solar panels at residents and businesses. Again, another small ask, but the idea is, is that if you're incentivizing people to purchase renewable energy materials, you're growing that economy while also giving people an incentive to just do it cheaply. And then uh, House Bill 35 follows uh, geothermal heating systems. And again, it's, it's another small ask, but the idea is we want people to know that these are available with the ultimate goal of making it manageable for like, you know, middle income and low income New Mexicans to be able to access and purchase these type of renewable energy options. You also wrote about food banks and their need for funding right now. You said that the CEO of Roadrunner Food Bank in particular told you that costs have gone up so much and the supply chain's moving so slowly, they're really struggling. They're asking for money, about $15 million. That money will help them feed the Mexicans. When I was doing the reporting on this story, I went to Expo New Mexico uh, with the state fairgrounds where Roadrunner hosts a weekly uh, food distribution they ran out of food when I was there last week. 400 households were fed. A couple people walked up and asked them, hey, can, do you have any more food? Unfortunately, they had to turn them away. And so the issues right now with food banks, what's happening is, yeah, one, you have the supply chain issue. Cost of food is going up. Roadrunner told me that in the last year, the price of a can of soup is, is doubled. On top of that, you have the freight issues. Freight costs are expensive. Gas is more expensive. The issue with truckers not being available is impacting food banks because they'll have an order and it doesn't get delivered, so their inventory is lowered. And there was also the end of a major federal relief program that came from the Trump administration. At the beginning of the pandemic, a lot of inventory for businesses and food suppliers was just sitting in their back stock or sitting in, sitting in inventory at their warehouses. So what the government did is they purchased all of that and then just gave it to food banks to use as emergency relief for uh, people who needed food. That ended in December 2020, and what the what Roadwater Food Bank said is that that accounted for about 15% of their inventory. Okay, are there any other issues or particular bills, anything big on the horizon that you have your eyes on? Well, I'm curious to know where it was called the Junior Bill, which is essentially a spending bill that lawmakers will submit spending requests for their community. They want to build a bridge, they want to build a park, they want to build, a, you know, get a road project going. The deadline for that is coming up soon at the end of the week, as well as the deadline for to file bills is February 2nd. And it'll be curious to see, since we have such a surplus here in New Mexico, how much of that junior bill will be approved. Because not only on top of the surplus, you still have like federal relief dollars. Now, federal relief dollars can't necessarily go to these spending projects, but they could offset another spending request that would happen through the regular budget. Our other reporters, Patrick Lohman and Austin Fisher, are following, you know, housing. You know, Pat's been really on top of what's going on when it comes to relief for New Mexicans who are dealing with eviction issues or mortgage issues. The state is looking to provide some financial support to be able to keep New Mexicans in their homes and keep landlords and mortgages paid. Austin has been really incredible, and, and, I, and I like reading his work when it comes to criminal justice reform in New Mexico. When, when I say that, I mean, you know, you're looking at a reform in pretrial detention efforts, which is something that the mayor of Albuquerque and, and, you know, the Albuquerque police chief and state police chief have been advocating for, but it's an effort that keeps people behind bars. And it also goes against the constitutional amendment that New Mexican voters approved on. And it's already gotten so much criticism, it, it, it may not get far because there's another question on if it's even constitutional or not. 
that's something that's being actually debated right now in the Senate Judiciary. They're, they're still talking about how you can address the crime issues that affect you know much of the metro, or much of New Mexico, but predominantly the metro area in Albuquerque. We're also looking at another bill that is related to reforming life sentences for juveniles. This is something that Austin actually picked up way ahead of the legislation. He's, he's spoken with people who are currently serving life sentences who are convicted as teenagers. And what this bill would do is it, it would give not only them an opportunity at requesting a way to get out of jail, but it would stop New Mexico from even, be, even being able to provide a life sentence for any juvenile in New Mexico. That's actually a criminal justice bill that is moving. That is reporter Sean Griswold from Source New Mexico coming to you from the media gallery above the Senate chambers at the New Mexico State Capitol. Thank you so much, Sean. I appreciate you setting aside 20 minutes to talk to us today. Thank you so very much. That interview was from Monday evening, January 31st, which is also right about halfway through this year's legislative session. This is the point where things start moving much more quickly. Stay up to date by following the YNMG Project online at KUNM.org, NewMexicoPBS.org, and by following the hashtag YNMG on social media. We have several great interviews already lined up for the coming episodes. You won't want to miss those. Another thanks to the Thornburg Foundation for funding your New Mexico government. If you have ideas for upcoming episodes or questions about government that we might be able to help with, send us an email at ynmg at kunm.org. Finally, we have links to the bills we've mentioned today and to Sean Griswold's articles up on the web for you. Find us under the news tab at kunm.org and on newmexicopbs.org. I'm Kaveh Movahead. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with more for you soon.